this episode of Dig Me Out. Listener review. 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 At her worst, she sounds like Courtney Love, and at her best, she sounds like Chrissy Hine. A blaring guitar solo that's obliterating the mix. I like this album, and I don't understand why. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. The only podcast dedicated to digging up obscure and ridiculously unknown bands from the 90s. I am your host, Tim Minichi. Joining me on the iChat, once again, Jason Ziak. Jason, what is your drink tonight? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. I rely on you to have something, and you don't. Luckily, I'm I'm drinking a Sam Adams, so... Just a standard? Uh, it's like a, a blonde summer or spring ale or something. like. It was in the sampler pack. That sounds delightful. Yeah. We are not sponsored by Sam Adam, San Adams, so if they decide they would like to sponsor us, I will provide them with an address they can send cases of beer. I'm sure they're just dying to, to throw money at a podcast about obscure music from the 90s. I would think so. This is their demographic. 30-year-old guys who listen to rock music. Ah, you're kind of right. Ah, see? Marketing genius fortunately, over here. Fortunately, there's only about 15 of us. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Based on our download numbers. I do want to mention, uh, seriously, folks, if you like the podcast, please head on over to our iTunes page and leave us some positive feedback. we greatly appreciate it. We're what you would call insecure. So anything nice you can say about the podcast or about us in general on the iTunes website would be greatly appreciated. And now on to our record review. Uh, (laughs) We need a a little drop there for, uh, because this is a listener suggested review. Oh, really? Yeah, we need a little little tag or some sort of a a jingle. Review. Like, listener review. 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 Something like that. I'll I'll work on it. Yeah. You just did it. There it is. We're reviewing a band called 360s. I'm I'm at I'm at a, a crossroads whether it's the 360s or just 360s because I've seen it both ways. And then when you Google 360s, uh, you don't find anything on this band. You learn a lot about Xbox. So Right. This podcast is teaching us that if when you go to name your band, pick something unique. Yeah. Because 20 years from now when somebody wants to do on a podcast about obscure music, they will have an easier time finding information about you if your name is unique and obscure. Yeah, here, here are bands I have discovered have bad names. Europe. <laughs> Asia. The Music. The Sound. Or The Sounds. And yeah. 60s. Yep. Yeah, all very bad names when it comes to the world of Googling. That casts a wide net. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so we're going to review the 360's first album, Illuminated. And I'm going to give a very brief history of the band. Although I did dig up some more information from our, our previous conversation, Jay. I said that I didn't have much. And then a flood of information poured in today while I was uh, trying to come up with some scraps of info so i actually do have a little bit more than i anticipated this band formed in boston in 1989 they were originally called the bardos and then they changed their name to the 360s they released a demo tape 
which then got them signed to Asylum Records in 1991. They released the 360s album, or the, the, the first album as the 360s, Illuminated, which we're reviewing in 1991. They released their second album, Supernatural, in 1992. And then their last album, Strawberry Stone, in 1994. The oh, it's a horrible album title. Strawberry Stone, yeah. Yeah, terrible. That sounds like a, a, a really bad band we played with. We played with a band called Raspberry Jam, which spelled Raspberry R-A-Z-Z-B-E-R-R-Y. That was at the Blind Lemon in Cleveland on a Thursday night. It might have been called the Hi-Fi at that time. Oh, okay. That's a lot of information, I know. I just I just threw a lot of knowledge at Bad you. Bad memories. You yeah. just killed my buzz. That might have been the night where you had a uh, thumb injury. And you didn't... Yeah, you're not making this get any better. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's get to the band. So, and this is a little, this is the inter- interesting part here. So, the lead singer Audrey Clark, after the 360s, she forms a band with her sister Lori and her husband Ian. They're called the Pendulum Floors, and it's sort of a lo-fi bedroom recording project. But as they're recording, Lori and Audrey write a song called "Yard of Blonde Girls." Do you know where that song ended up? Uh, is it the the milkshake song? No, it's the Jeff Buckley song on Sketches for My Sweetheart the Drunk. He ended up covering the song for, he, it was originally just a, a you know, a, something that he did in the studio, and then they ended up releasing it on the, the posthumous compilation album. But he was apparently friends with uh, one of the sisters, heard the song and did his own version of it, and they have the writing credits on that song. And they probably got a fortune off of that. I, yeah, probably. They, they didn't write the milkshake brings the boys of the yard song. No, that would be Kellis. No. So, the Pendulum Floors released one album. Then, as far as I can tell, the 360s got back together at the end of the 90s. Did some demoing, played a few shows, but then they weren't heard from again. And then Audrey and the guitar player for the 360s, his name's Eric Russell got together and formed a band called The Flakes, The with two E's. And in 2009, they started putting up songs on MySpace, but have not, as as far as I know, officially released anything. And that's about it. Well, right now, Audrey Clark, the lead singer, is a music teacher in uh, Marblehead, Massachusetts. And that's it. That's all. I I give up. That's all the information I have. You did well. Thank you. So this was a listener review. Previously, our, our uh, listener, John, re- suggested Head Candy. So this is his second suggestion. You and I were not the biggest fans of the Head Candy album, so I am interested to hear where we go on this one. So why don't you start us off, Jay, with your feelings and feedback and opinions and thoughts on 360's Illuminated. Um, in a lot of ways, it's like Head Candy. <laughs> no, um... You know, this band, uh, it's odd because I like this album and I don't understand why. Um, you know, typically I like bands that have pretty strong singers, bright melodies, um, technically fairly proficient. Um, and not to say this band isn't any of those things, they're just not, they're not ex- exceptional at any one of those things. 
Um, you know, vocally, she sounds like, you know, at, at her worst, she sounds like Courtney Love, and at her best, she sounds like Chrissy Hind. Mm-hmm. When that comes through is when I sort of get interested. Um, there's, I'm trying to, you know, as the, as the album go, is playing through, uh, I'm thinking, you know, where's this band coming from? I, you know, you give, you give me these albums, I don't even know what year they were recorded. So it's kind of fun to try to piece that together without knowing it. So I'm listening to it, I'm trying to figure out if they're American or not. It wasn't even clear to me if they were. Um, I only, I, I mean, I guess I would have said they were just because she didn't really have any sort of noticeable accent, but I kind of got a shoegaze, like, it's almost like an American take on shoegaze at times um, that, that they're doing. Um, the, really, the star of the show here is the guitar player, I realize, and that's yes. probably fan so much. Um, so, you know, a song may not have a hook, and it's sort of like he knows that, and he's just like, screw it. He just comes in with this, you know, overdubbed guitar, just blaring, way louder than anything else. He plays like three epic chords, does some like bendies and finger tapping things <laughs> to get some feedback, and then he rolls out again. And he does that through the whole album, and, and in a lot of ways it's like kind of brilliant. It's definitely the, the highlight of, of most of the songs. playing is good and, and for the most part you know that's that's pretty solid and, and fairly fairly well done but it's really the there's these overdubs almost jay mask is like where he's just like they're not mixed at all or level with any of the other music they're just way louder and it's so and after the second or actually probably that eighth or tenth listen i sort of realized that why they're there and it's because you know, you're at the chorus, and basically the singer hasn't written any sort of chorus, so the, the guitar player just like, like I could see him just like pushing her out of the way and just cranking guitars like, here, we'll just do this, and he just rips into a solo. So I, I really enjoyed that. I think the guitar tone is really cool, and it's just a different way to, I guess, approach uh, this kind of music. Um, you know, I hear a bunch of different influences in here. There are times when they get a little bit punky and almost feel like Stooges. Uh, obviously, the Pretenders are mixed in there. Um, I heard a lot of um, the attitude of another band I like from the late 90s called New York Loose. 
um, which almost made me wonder if these guys were from New York. They're from Boston. They may have played with them. I don't know. around. Well, you said this came out in the early 90s, right? 91. Okay. So New York loses later. Yeah. But it's the same kind of like female-fronted, kind of punk-influenced, um, you know, rock with big guitars and sort of um, reminded me, at least vocally, of that. What What were your thoughts on it? Well, I think I think you hit it with Chrissy Hine. I, I, you know, in her most melodic moments, that's who she reminds me of. And then there are times, obviously, when she dips into like. I don't even want to say Courtney Love because I don't think Courtney Love is honestly as good a singer or as interesting a, 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 a vocalist as, as she is. But there are times when she, when there's like a Patti Smith sort of influence on some of the songs, especially on um, tracks seven and nine. Mm-hmm. I also heard some PJ Harvey uh, with some of her singing. And then mm-hmm. you can, on the more pop stuff, you can say uh, Shirley Manson from, from Garbage. I'm falling up, I'm falling down, I know you'll let me It's been raining on my back, on my shoes and dreams I'm sleeping It makes me sad, I'm always was similarities i don't you know shirley manson came later in terms of her popular success obviously she was in silverfish before um garbage but uh to me the guitar player makes this band i I highlighted the first two songs deadpan superstar and Mm -hmm. um texas he's just just shredding i mean he's just doing really (laughs) interesting stuff and it totally does it almost makes me think that they recorded this as a three-piece and then they brought, and then the guitar player joined the band and was like, "Here's what I think needs to happen on these songs." And he just started <laughs> laying down riffs on top of every song, and and it's because it points it doesn't even yeah it sounds like it was a totally different mix than what was going on. He just it sounds like it was already mixed, and he was just like, "I'm just gonna play over top of it," because <laughs> he's kind of awesome in a weird way though. Like it is. you never think it would work, but it's the one thing on the album that really works for me. But it does make sense that they would jack up that guitar tone because this is a band from Boston. Dinosaur Jr.'s from Boston. Dinosaur Jr. was known, and Jay Massis was known for those types of guitar solos where, you know, the song's going along, and then all of a sudden he kicks in that overdrive, and it's just a blaring guitar solo that's, you know, obliterating the mix. And that totally saves this album. I, I was particularly paying attention to the rhythm section and there were times where i was like ugh uh there on this the third song illuminated which had the most shoegazy vocals um mm-hmm. one one term that i heard brought up a couple times which i don't necessarily agree with on this album maybe the later albums show it off more but um they said there was a very 60s psychedelic influence and i don't necessarily hear that maybe strawberry stone the last album gets more into that would, I would think so with that title of that album. Track ten, track ten. I have I have marked as a yeah, um, that a one Hendrix, well. kind of loose groove thing going on. 
that's the only song I really heard it. But with track three, I noticed there were some bad drum fills, like just mm-hmm. sloppy. And I was like, oh, this is this is gonna be another case where you got a good guitar player and a, a pretty decent singer, but the the, the drummer is gonna sort of let him down. It, it really wasn't the case. I think overall he's pretty solid. Another drummer might have added something more, but I don't. I don't think that he held them back as much or was as uninteresting as the guy from um, Head Candy. I did want to mention with track nine, which is the only acoustic track on the whole record, uh, it made me think of the Ammonia album because there's that one acoustic song on there that we both kind of liked, and then it turns into this over-orchestrated sort of wall of noise in terms of yeah. too many instruments and stuff. And I think they did it right on this record, where it's basically just an acoustic guitar. There's a tiny bit of synth, I think, sort of buried in the mix. And then some cool um, guitar leads that are it's sort of the opposite of the first couple songs, where the guitar is distorted, but it's brought way back in the mix. So it's very echoey sounding and, and distant sounding. And that sort of makes that acoustic track um, mm-hmm. work for me. My baby gets his head melts beneath His eyes are filled with super satellites I saw this Don't ever go away The quiet makes me feel small interesting is that this is a 10 song album the longest song is three minutes and 39 seconds which means this is about a half hour record which is really kind of unheard of in this era you know they they really cut to the chase and they kept it short and all the song this this song this album does not get old like those 10 songs fly by and you're like whoa the album's over already yeah Uh, and i think that's another reason why i like i said when i the way i started this was I like this. I do like this album, and I don't know why. <laughs> I think it maybe that's one of the reasons is because you know I think a lot of these albums we reviewed so far, the biggest flaw that they have is they're just too long, and you can't no matter how many good aspects there are, 
they end up being outweighed. Like if you're keeping score here, you know, you score up, you know, 10 nice moments across, you know, 15 songs. Well, you know, there's going to be probably 20 or 30 moments that you don't like when you have that many songs. So yeah. just by keeping it edited down, keeping the song shorter, you know, I think of like Triple Fast Action was another band where they would do these long, instead of the songs being three minutes long, like, like the three, 360s did, even if it's 10 songs, the songs would go on for six minutes and the whole middle part would be just, you know, some noise thing or some baloney record, you know, messing around jam part. And these guys don't do that. And I think to their benefit at the end of the day, they take, they basically take an album of songs that aren't that great and sort of the way they're produced and the way that they perform them and their ability to edit themselves and they sort of make an album that's pretty good for for the material not being that fantastic right i'm i'm sort of curious as to i don't know why these guys i know they, they were like in cmj and they got played and on college radio but um you know there were bands of this era with female singers that did well and this mm-hmm. band existed, you know, from 91 until 94, put out three albums. I don't think they made a dent in the mainstream. And I'm, I'm sort of, cu- I'm really curious to hear those next two albums because I want to hear the direction. Did they become sort of more psychedelic and jammy and, and, and less radio friendly and that's why they didn't catch on? Or was it just a matter of timing? Did they have a bad label? I'm, I'm kind of curious. We're at sort of the beginning of their career here and I can understand being the debut album in 91 you know, Nirvana hasn't really broke yet, so alternative radio doesn't necessarily exist at this point in the way it would in a year or two, in 92 or 93, so... Well, I can, I can imagine myself being a an A&R guy or, or whatever, a manager, somebody in the business, and hearing this band in 91 and being fairly enamored with them in terms of like, okay, well, one of the things I think you would look for is you would look for a sound, you know, quote-unquote, in terms of a vocal, a singer that's sort of distinctive, has their own voice, you know, maybe a couple other members of the band, particularly maybe a guitar player who takes a very, you know, sort of strong stance on what they want to do and does something a little bit unique in how they approach things. Maybe you forgive, you know, if they have those elements, you forgive if they don't quite have the songs yet. Now, it all changes after about, you know, 93 or 94 but early 90s i can kind of see you know somebody becoming enamored with this band and say all right well let's see where they go you know maybe they start writing some material here and things come together and they become real um, i mean without hearing the the other albums it's kind of not fair but i could I could say based on this album they just don't have the song There's right no, they're not developed song right so it'll be interesting. I think I think this might be a band where we're gonna, you know, jump into their next couple albums and see how they progress. I think that's gonna that's gonna be interesting. Um, well, if you say that they they, went. they were described as being psychedelic, that would lead me to believe that they never got the songs. They just developed themselves as players and as a band that had a sound, sort of maybe, you know, jammed a little bit more <laughs> or yeah. what have you. And, it, and push that part of what their band was doing. And you know, I would I would say that posted off psychedelic bands, that songwriting is not one of their strengths. So 
Not in the radio context, no. Yeah, that wouldn't make me uh, think that they had developed that any further if that's the way people are describing it. All Which right, may cool. be fine, because they make it work on the first album, so I don't yeah. quite understand how, but... Well, I think this was a good discovery. I think this is a band that we're both kind of surprised by. I wasn't really expecting a whole lot, and um, I definitely found a, a bunch of tunes on this record that I think are worth revisiting, and I hope people check them out, and we'll have links to all the typical places, the Amazons and the uh, various locations you can pick up this record, and make sure to visit our website, digmeoutpodcast.com, and uh, we'll have links and such and so forth. And I think that's about it. Uh, any last words, Jay? Uh, I'll say that since these were both recommended by the same person, um, even the Head Candy album, and, and I, I think this one, you know, when these songs come up randomly, my iTunes or on my car or on my iPhone or whatever, um, I usually don't turn them off. So, you know, I think in doses, they're they're actually pretty good. I don't necessarily think they hold up as albums, but in terms of, you know, being fairly interesting and different, they're kind of refreshing when they come up in my usual mix of things. When one of these two bands kind of pops up, I, you know, it's sort of uh, definitely a little bit more unique, and uh, I can appreciate it sort of one song at a time. So, from uh, that aspect, I think they're 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 pretty. Uh, it'd be interesting. They're, they're interesting add to your music collection. I think that's a good uh, note to end on. And if you want to suggest an album or a band for us to listen to, send us an email: digmeoutpodcast at gmail dot com. That's how we have discovered um, these bands. We've got more uh, listener reviews coming up in future weeks that uh, we're excited about. And we'll have even some special guests for some of those reviews. So um, I want to say on uh, my behalf and on Jay's behalf, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed.